Welcome to Cardiology, everybody, as we get to experience one more kick in the teeth on the way out the door um, of this 2022-2023 season um, with a, a just fantastic ending to a disappointing year. But um, before we get spun into that too much, um, I want to introduce the guys who have, are joining me for this love fest. We have our good friend, Sean Donovan, joining us out there. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mark. I don't have any teeth left. <laughs> Ten games getting kicked in the teeth. I don't have any left. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie. We, we had, and then we also have uh, Gary Marr on. Hi, Gary. How are you? Hey, Mark. I, although I think I might be on the wrong call. I think you said some of the love fest. I'm not quite feeling that right now. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Slugfest. Slug I was pretty sure I gave it the sarcastic voice, but, you know, I don't have the sarcastic font over the over the podcast either. But, yeah, let's let's in, get into this thing. Um, so for anybody who might be asleep out there, uh, the Browns put together a very disappointing showing, um, in Pittsburgh going down 28, 14, um, to, um, really not really just limp out of what had turned into just a, a poor, um, season and a really disappointing season. Um, you know, I think really, um, this game, we, we only really seem to be in this game at the very beginning. Um, and you know, there was some really, some solid play. Um, you know, we were able to, um, stop Pittsburgh on a really, really nice defensive stand at a goal line that looked like it was going to create some momentum. Um, you know, we went in at halftime of this game at seven to 10, um, which seemed to be within, it within a shot, but I think if we're all being honest, it definitely felt like the momentum had already flipped. Um, you know, the Pittsburgh had, um, put up some points, had, had brought that into halftime, a really miserable last couple of series that just ended up putting extra points on the board that just didn't need to happen. Um, and, and overall, just a really stale performance. Um, you know, Sean, let's go to you. What do, what what are you you thinking? What did what did you get out of this game? Yeah, you know, it's 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 the old uh it's the old saying, same stuff, different day. The Browns play two great quarters of football or one and a half or two and a half great quarters of football. And in that time that they're not, it just all falls apart and then you can't get it back. Uh, what at the end of the quarter or the end of the first half, they put those 10 points up in what, like five minutes, yeah. you know, yep. it, it was quick. And I just, I, and we can get, we'll get into it later. Obviously everybody knows what happened, you know, Sunday night and Monday morning. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we've been saying all year. I would say, you know, shining moments of the game, uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, um, 12 carries, 77 yards, five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. So don't tell me Nick Chubb is not a passing back anymore. He has done that plenty this year. Um, you know, Miles Garrett got his 16th sack, tying his all-time from last year. And back to my man, Nick Chubb, he passed 1,500 for a season. And he's the only guy to do that since Jim Brown in the 60s. So those are our shining lights. But like Nick Chubb said Monday and more, uh, Monday afternoon when everybody was leaving, I love getting yards, but I want wins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How about you, Gary? Uh, how did you feel uh, in general about this thing? Well, first off, I got to apologize. I, I forgot. You you said Love Fest, and I forgot about Sean's relationship with Nick Chubb. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. It's a healthy David. bromance, man. It's a healthy bromance. Maybe so a little bit got... one-sided, but, but, but they uh, don't. Yeah, but, but That's only because he doesn't know. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I feel the same way. Look, the same way I've felt most of this season. I, I, I really think we've got a lot of questions at, at – um, 
at coaching. Um, you, you know, really in the off season, the Browns are going to you know deal with that. And we're going to talk about that all that later. But I think when you look at this game, it just kind of highlighted some of those questions and things that I'm not sure how or if the Browns are going to address. But you know, running game is one of them. Uh, Nick Chubb did get a lot of yards. He had a lot of yards for carry, but he, he got 12 carries. 12. Uh, period, and I, I just don't, I just don't understand that. Never will understand that. Um, they, when when we've got a running game that's working, that we just kind of stop it ourselves. I, I go back to that old adage, the old, I think it was the Jim Trestle story, where ran the same play three, four times when he was an offensive coordinator and a head coach said, you know, coach, can we have another play? And he said, yeah, as soon as they stop this one, we'll run another one. And, you know, that's that's the right attitude. You know, don't stop it yourself. Make the other team stop us. And I just think we 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 stop ourselves consistently. And I think that's that that a lot of questions there. A lot of questions on uh, the line, too. We you know, we we came into this season thinking we've got this great offensive line. We have had a ton of injuries. So I got to factor that in. But. Um, you know, we've got uh, what we thought was a fairly mobile quarterback and a pretty solid line. And what, what do we get about seven sacks? That, yep. That's a crazy number. Uh, so that's, that's something to look at that, that just kind of shocked me with this whole game as well. Uh, and something to, to, to start to think about as far as how do you how do you address that or how do, how do we let that happen? Um, and how do we fix that? Because you're never going to be productive if you're going to have that many sacks in a game. That's just not, not uh, conducive to a solid offense for sure, no matter what you're doing. So, so you got that going on. I mean, on the, on the positive side is that, we, you know, I think, I think Sean kind of highlighted that. Well, we, you know, we did have a good deep defense, a good running game. I mean, we did uh, in general, you know, our past defense, as we've talked about all season, is pretty good. Uh, you know, we, we, we didn't, um, you know, we, in general, most of the game kind of kept that passing game on a low volume for Pittsburgh, which is good. They did not get a lot of passing yards. Of course, they got the ones they needed. So, you know, there is that. So I think that those are the positives that I saw as we still have a, you know, a good ability to shut down some receivers. We've got a, a good ability to run the football, uh, but we still have a real big inability to, to take advantages of the weaknesses of another team and to just be consistent in our play and certainly, uh, you know, an inability to shut down a running game of another team. That's that's plagued us all season. So that's something there's one thing we're going to have to address this this offseason. It's, it's that run game and the, the ability to stop the run game. Yeah, I mean, I watch this and and as I go through it, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, agree on on the idea of us not running the ball in this game. I think the reality is that we weren't in a position to make the run work. Um, and we actually did run the ball more than you might think, because the big the big swing in this game was the fact like Sean put put into play. He said, you know, the end of that second quarter within within uh, just oh, just under five minutes, we gave up a touchdown and a field goal um, to take it to ten to ten to seven, and then turned around. Pittsburgh got the ball right at the beginning of the half, put a field goal up again. Um, so now we are down uh, thirteen to seven. But the big thing that happens right after that is that. We have a balanced series that's happening, but we we have an interception. Um, you know, the interception from Watson. Um, interceptions, you know, this is something that you just can't have. And and I think that the two interceptions were brutal. Um, they bought they they led to 10 points in this game. Um, and they, you know, they were on Watson. Um, and so I think. Um, even, even the next, yeah, I mean, even the next set of, of series, we still tried to run the ball. The next series after Pittsburgh scores the touchdown, you know, we tried to run, we get stuffed, we get stuffed on two passes. The next series after that is our touchdown series. And we actually split run pass that whole series and just happened to end with the pass to Nick Chubb for the touchdown. It wasn't until we got to the last drive of this game that we went completely pass, but we were down 14. I mean, what are you going to do? You're, you're down 14 and you've got four minutes left. You can't. You, you I mean, if you got any shot at all, 
you can't you can't run the ball the way you want. You just can't. And and so I I don't necessarily I haven't been a big fan of of this this concept. Nick Nick Chubb Nick Chubb received more carries this year than he has any other year. He had more yards than he had any other year. He had more touchdowns than he had any other year. And while, you know, it it's wonderful to kind of like be, hey, let's let's have more of a good thing. This is the NFL. And this is the Browns team. And if we look at the Browns team, almost every time we had to back away from the run, we were in a hole. And we were in a hole typically that the defense put us in. It just so happens in this game, defense didn't put us in a hole. Offense put us in a hole. They gave away two interceptions, two really bad plays that really hampered the entire game. And, and you know, that the fact that the defense held Pittsburgh to a field goal after um, the first interception was, was a hell of a play. And then the fact, you know, they only had to go 23, 20, was it 25 yards to score a touchdown after the second interception. So, I mean, you, you put the defense in a poor position in this game. Um, not that they, not that they don't own a lot that's happened this year. Um, and as we saw, as, as, as Sean mentioned, you know, as we saw on the following Monday, you know, obviously some changes got made, but I think in this game, there was an intention. You kind of see it through the play calls. There was an intention to try to run the ball and try to do more, but then, I mean, you can't turn it over and then still be able to, to have a sustained drive. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you totally on the turnover part. You, you, you certainly can't turn it over. But I mean, score-wise, it was a it was a close game there till the till right near the very end. So I still think we could have and should have run the ball more. I mean, twelve runs for Nick Chubb is it's just yeah. He he's one of the top rushers in the league. He was averaging six point four yards per carry. There was no reason not to run him more. Yeah, again, totally give you that on the last drive. You know, that at that point in time, we're playing catch up. Uh, we were pretty far behind at that point, but the whole rest of the game, would they were they were never uh, that far ahead of us. We had plenty of time to to run our game. Yeah, but that's uh, again, I think, but that's the thing. If if we actually look at the, at at the different plays that were called, we were doing that. I mean, we 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 got to the end. You know, like you said, we we weren't out of it until the very end. Um, you know, the, the series right before the very end, we were balanced. Um, and I, so I, I don't know. I just don't think, I think that this, that the narrative of, of, of Stefanski calling plays, honestly, I, I just think it's low hanging fruit. And I just think that, I think that everybody's super disappointed about the season and, you know, wanted things to work out better. Um, and you know, every play that goes, like I say, every play that goes and scores a touchdown is the greatest play that ever was called. And every play that gets stuffed or gets, doesn't get through is, you know, the worst play ever called. And I, and I do think that, you know, it, looking at it play by play, there was a, there was a, a willingness to run the ball, but once you throw two interceptions and you give up seven sacks, I, I don't know what else you're going to do. You you don't have many more options and you get into that last drive. You, you, you had to get two touchdowns. So I'm not, I'm not super surprised. Um, I, I am more along the lines of just the energy of this team, the, the energy coming out of this, you know, I, I had some hopes after the second to last game that, that maybe they were going to go into this with enough of a chip on their shoulder that they, they had embraced the idea of being the villain, but they didn't match Pittsburgh's no. energy. No. And I mean, what was um, with uh, Green Bay and the Lions Sunday night, you know, was it, was it um, Lions coach or one of the players said, if we're not going, they're not going. And that was their mentality, you know, so that, that had to, we needed that mentality and nobody had it and it wouldn't be a brown season you know or the end of a brown season without drama and Jadavian Clowney supplied that for us with his comments to Mary Kay Cabot um so you know I think that just 
we could have been, they could have been way up. And then all of a sudden this stuff hits and it, it would have deflated anybody in my opinion. Well, you know, I think, I think Jadavian Clowney's actual comments coming out were, I mean, I, I think it's pretty boneheaded to be honest. I mean, you, you got one more game, right? Just you, know, one, that you, game, man. you got one more game and you could, I mean, I, I don't have a huge problem with him having different perceptions. I think he's a little bit uh, misguided. Um, you know, you, you weren't coming in here to be the number one defensive end. No, you were coming in here to be number two. And the idea to say something along the lines of, well, they're just worried about getting miles, the best matchups possible. Well, no, no, duh. Like what, the, what, what are we even talking about here? Right. I mean, he's, he's your, he is your all pro by the way, selected all pro by the players association today, all pro uh, defensive end. Like you mentioned, he's get, he got his, his uh, personal best in yeah. sacks tied it um, and has is the highest rated highest uh, graded defensive end in the NFL getting double team more than anybody else and still putting up the numbers. So the idea that Jadavian Clowney thought that somehow he should get some easier treatment and he should be able to get numbers and whatever, please. And, and the idea that he didn't want to play on third down, only wanted to play on third down in the, in a particular game. I'm only frustrated that we didn't cut him then. I mean, the reality of the situation is it's the guy he was. We talked about it. If you go back and listen to our episodes, we talked about when is he ever going to make a decision and come to camp? Because he didn't want to go to camp. He didn't want to practice. So he talks about not having a relationship with these guys or not being schemed appropriately. Well, dude, show up. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. And, and this all smacked of a guy who had a career year, well, not a career year. That's not the right statement. Had a rebound year last year. Came out solid. A lot of people talking about him, wondering if his, he was going to have a renaissance in his career. He dragged his feet looking for big money coming off of that. That just was not going to come from any team. The offer he took from us is the same offer he got when the right after the season. So he could have rejoined us at any time he wanted to. And he didn't get the numbers that he got last year. So he had a bad year. So here he signed another year contract. He's going into the off season and he had a bad year. And so this, this smacked of spin control, like I'm going, I'm going to be a free agent. I really want a big contract again. So don't blame me for all of the woes of this team. Look at the other guy. And you're pointing at the all pro on the other end. I don't don't understand what you're trying to accomplish there. Um, And so I just, I just think honestly, Damian Clowney wasn't going to get resigned. I think this was the last year that we were going to have him anyways, um, because he was that dollar amount was a luxury we had for this year that we could kind of piece together. But next year we got to find ways to trim the, trim the fat around the edges to keep, keep track of this of the salary cap and make some significant personnel changes on the defensive line and and in other areas so he was always going to be leaving so this just seemed like a really poor timed effort to cover his ass and it's like you can't like it's just really disrespectful in my opinion to your to your your um, peers and and your teammates in the locker room that you can't just wait you can't wait one week to right. to let this off your chest because as you're walking out the door everybody's pissed off so you could you could have dropped this same story this week and people probably wouldn't have blinked but I will say this about it look I I agree with everything you just said about Clowney I have no no disagreements there I think I think you know the, the comments were real timed I don't understand why he said them made no sense whatsoever, but it does point to a wider <clears throat> issue, which is how many how high profile players do the Browns have the last two years that we just haven't been a that have been discontented. And I 
you know, that's a, that to me is the bigger issue is like, look, we, we couldn't keep Odell Beckham Jr. Happy. We, you know, we got uh, Baker Mayfield. Apparently there were issues there. We've got problems with Clowney. We, you know, um, you know, we're we're having issues in that locker room and Clowney, of course you know as i said he, he, his problems i don't feel at all for him i think he he was uh you know out of line but nonetheless you don't see quite this many high profile players on other teams going off and having issues um and i think that that's got me scratching my head here as far as what's going on with the browns and and you know why you know kind of points to why we couldn't recover from it uh during this game because i do think it had an impact on the game i don't think it should have had an impact on the game i think you know those players as they always say you know they're professionals they should have gone out and played and that it shouldn't have affected them at all they should have actually been able to play their hearts out and win a game and they didn't um you know they didn't they didn't bring home a, a victory that they they really should have brought home and i i that that to me points to some some bigger questions for the browns that we've got to answer and it also just makes me wonder about you know you know what went into prepping for this game if they couldn't get beyond on um, his comments in the locker room yeah and i you know i don't really know i don't know so much whether or not it has to do with his comments why they were stale i i honestly think that they they've read this this roller coaster all year long. Sure. Uh, a good game, sometimes a great game, then a then a stale game, and and a lot of inconsistencies and a lot going on. Now, what when you when you talk about the high profile players, though, you know the only thing I say was so when you talk about OBJ and Baker Mayfield, they have to they have to cancel each other out because you either believe what OBJ said going out the door. Or you believe what Baker said going out the door because they're the exact opposite thing. You know, OBJ saying Baker sucks. He can't get me the ball. I can't, you know, they can't play me right. And then Baker Mayfield saying, I'm, I'm fine. Everything. I'm a good, I'm a good enough quarterback. They just don't believe in me. So, I mean, those two kind of cancel out for me, I think. And, and to be honest, I, you know, I side probably with OBJ on that one. Um, just from all the other things we saw and happening and and happening that year. But I do think that there is something about as a team, when you're trying to pull down some of this high profile talent, high profile talent is high profile personalities. Um, And there is a very, there is a very lunch pail mentality to the Browns that I don't know that is, is as ingrained as it needs to be to curb those types of personalities. So like, you know, when you talk about the Patriots, right. And everybody talks about the Patriot way and, and everybody just do your job, you know, that has become such a staple that people who just sign up to go to, to play for the Patriots believe that they're going to have to put their egos aside. They just, they just believe that that's what they have to do to win. And that's what they're going to do. Cause it's ingrained in that culture. Um, you know, I just think I, I I guess maybe the Browns are just a little bit cart before the horse. Um, you can try to say that, you know, everybody, everybody put your egos aside for the win and and nobody care and go sign these big free agents. But if you really don't have the underlying culture that supports the idea that everybody just does their job and and will win, um you know, I think that that's where people like an OBJ or or a clowny, there's too much room to navigate, you know, because you're really not, you're not putting up, you know, you put up, shut up, right? You're not, you're not putting up, you're not, you're not showing that that kind of mentality is actually going to win games and that you're going to do it consistently. So why would they? Um, and, and so I don't know. Um I don't. I I have a hard time. Like I said, Jadavian Clowney's comments come. They 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 don't really even have a lot of uh, logic to them. We've been complaining all year that Joe Woods was not making any kind of adjustments and he wasn't moving Miles Garrett around to maximize him. But yet, Jadavian Clowney's complaint is they only care about moving Miles Garrett around. They don't care about me. And they tried to move me out of my position, but I said, hey, I'm a veteran. I don't have to do that. 
So his his comment is they were moving him around all the time. And right. we all, we've been talking for weeks that he's never getting moved around. He's getting double teamed all the time. So honestly, mm-hmm. I just think Jadavian Clowney has lost track of the reality of where he is or what his role was or what was going on on this team. And, you know, as we saw with what happened the rest of this this week, I think, you know, maybe the problem is that his coaches couldn't get through to him what his role was. Um, so that kind of makes for a decent segue. Um, as we are sitting here talking about this, um, the Browns have made some changes on the team and with their with their coaching staff. So when we come back from our commercial break, let's we're going to talk a little bit about what has changed with the Browns um, and you know potentially what we might see coming from that change. So we will catch you on the other side of this break. Hey, everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder coated wood garage cabinets, CB's custom garage interiors and more has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CBs has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. Well, before our break, um, you know, we, we commiserated quite a bit about the Pittsburgh uh, loss. I don't know that there's a lot more to say that isn't just bitterness that we all feel about ending the season in that for- fashion against a rival. Um, but we did transition and we did talk about some of the change that has now happened with the Browns. So the very first um, victim of uh of the black Monday. I don't even know that it made it to Monday. I think it was Sunday night, but um, Joe Woods being fired, let go as the defensive coordinator for the Browns. And um, I don't think this was a shock to any of us on, on this podcast. Um, You know, we'd, we'd ridden the, the wave, um, you know, and I think, probably out of all of us, I was the last to get on the bandwagon, but I believe that happened about six weeks ago, um, six or seven weeks ago where we said this just needs to end. Um, you know, so I, I'm interested in your thoughts. I I do want to say just to kind of tie up our last conversation we were having about 
Jadavian Clowney, I, you know, I think the fact that you had to let Joe Woods go has a lot to do with the inability to communicate the roles on this team and in this defense, um, whether it is the tangible game plan roles, which we saw a lot of that miscommunication at the beginning of the season and, and game opportunities lost from that, or just what it sounds like in the locker room, people not understanding exactly where their, where their value is or what they're doing with the team. So uh, I'm interested to hear first you guys' thoughts on um, Joe Woods departing the Browns and then and then maybe your thoughts on some of the names that are getting bandied around uh, to become the next defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Honestly, first I'm saying thank you. Um, I wish it could have happened sooner, but we talked about this in other episodes. Who are you going to replace him with? Um, there was nobody that could really step up into that role um, throughout in the or in the middle of the season from his staff. Um, as far as you know, and and everybody listening has seen the you know Brian Flores come came in for an interview. Jim Schwartz came in for an interview today. Uh, they also wanted to talk to oh what was his name. Um, well, I actually think, uh, so Schwartz interviewed, uh, today for those, yeah. of, those of you out there, we're recording here on uh Wednesday night. Um, Schwartz, Mayo. that was it. Uh, Schwartz interview today. Um, I do believe that Brian Flores is scheduled to interview tomorrow. Oh, I thought he already had. No, um, you know, I don't think he has yet, but yes, uh, Gerard Mayo then is another candidate that and, you know, in in my mind, um, <clears throat> just from what I've seen, uh, I like I like the defensive coordinator from the Broncos. Um, Ijero Ivero, I believe is how you say his name. Um, he's worked with a lot of different guys. He knows how to meld a defense. Uh, and we were saying this, you know, we were talking over our text thread um, who we want to get and you know, I flat out said, I don't want somebody that takes, you know, I run a 3-4 defense and I'm going to make you run my 3-4 defense. Um, sees what he has and says, okay, I can I can make this amalgam of a defense out of these guys and we can shut down any, any offense they throw at us by building it around the players instead of making the players fit to his scheme. Yeah, I think... Um... I do think that defensive scheme is a little bit less um, defined in today's NFL than it than it maybe was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where most defenses don't play in their base formation hardly at all um, at any particular point in the game. Um, but that being said, I like the names that are getting kicked around. Um, you know, I think a lot of interesting candidates um, and a lot of interesting parts. So before we go through each one, you know, Gary, give you your chance. What what are your, some of your thoughts that you that you had either with the firing or what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I I I like the firing. I think you know what I think that uh, Woods needed to go a long time ago. I think everybody everybody thought that. Uh, I actually, you know, I think he needed to be fired last season. We held on to him, and uh, it showed this season uh, that that he really needed to go. I mean, the team, the team just didn't know the defense we were running out there half the time. And that was the main issue. I don't think it was a scheme or anything. It was the fact that he just couldn't organize a defense that had any idea what they were doing on the field half the time. And we gave up a lot of big plays because of that. So uh, I just want somebody that can come in here and run a defense that our defense can understand. I think we got the talent uh, that can certainly make up for a lot of things if uh, if they know what the play is and they know who they're supposed to be covering. And I think that that's, uh, that'll be a big thing for the next defensive coordinator. So I'm excited with the move. I think uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good change. Um, I'm disappointed. I think there should have been some more changes, but uh, you know, time will tell and we'll see. I, I doubt it if they haven't been made at this point that we're going to see any other coaching changes on the Browns, but, but Hey, we'll go with this one. This was the big one that needed to happen. And I think that's a good thing. So um, as far as candidates we're looking at, you know, we got a bunch out there. Uh, Jim Schwartz is one to obviously talk about because he's the one that came in. I think he's the front runner. I think he's got a history with Andrew Barry. 
I think um, you know he's he, he's actually got a got a pretty solid background, um, and I think he'd be a pretty good fit. So I, I don't know that I think it would be a bad call, but I do think I do think he's probably the one that's going to get hired once this is all said and done. But but we'll see where that goes. Okay. All right. So, um, so I, so Sean looking, looking toward Denver, um, Gary, you seem to be in the Jim Schwartz camp. Um, I, so one, yes, I, like I said, I, I, I think it was time. I, I do hold just like Sean mentioned, you know, that there really wasn't anything to do during the season. Um, because we had, and, and maybe this is just part of the whole problem. We had a very definite lack of um, significant coaching experience in the defense. So maybe part of the problem was that we just didn't have anybody behind either. Um, so a lot of position groups kind of, you know, feeling their way through. I mean, I think, you know, Chris Kiffin, um, you know, and Jason Tarver, I think is what we talked about during during the time about being really the only two candidates who had any real um, chance of being, uh, even understanding being a coordinator. Um, now, yeah, I mean, you look at this group, I don't know, I don't know that there's anybody in this entire defensive coaching staff that would, would recover or actually, you know, stay on the team stay at all. No. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe you might look at the defensive backs coaches, the Jeff Howard and Brandon Lynch. They're maybe, maybe they've got, uh, have shown some things, but um, really honestly, I don't, I don't know that anybody's going to hang around. Um, I, I really like the candidates. Um, I also like getting out in front of this right away. Um you know, I I think that letting Joe Woods go is probably as soon as he got into the locker room on Sunday was probably the way to go. Um, you needed to make a clean break, and it gave you the opportunity to start looking around. Um, now they they've brought in or or set up interviews with the people that they can at this point. Um, you know, one of the big things is whether a person whether a team is still in the playoffs where, where they are in the process. Um, I don't know. Have, have they, have they actually uh, requested an interview with, um, with your guy, Sean? I, I don't know that I've seen that yet. They, they haven't. And um, I haven't seen anything about him, you know, obviously the front runners of uh, Flores, Mayo and Schwartz. Those are the, those are the biggest names. Um and the other is Desai, Sean Desai. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is the other one. Um, well, I do think, um, you know, there's been a lot of positive buzz uh, about the coach in Denver. I think that the um, the other thing that they're probably waiting down there is how Denver is going to shake out itself. Um, they've got a right. pretty big opening. And I know that at the very he's least, actually, he's, getting... he's actually on the slate to interview for the head coaching job, too. Right, right. So I think there, there's probably a little bit of letting that play out before he's looking for other gigs. Um, you know, I, I am probably, um, you know, as as we look into um, these different names, you know, Jim Schwartz. I think I think he is a a solid name. I think um, a person that you know we can really think about and and he's shown a, a, an ability to kind of bring up a group and keep them consistent, um, con consistent numbers, consistent, um, play. Um, Brian Flores, um, I find is an interesting name and I find it interesting because a lot of people talk about, Oh, well, you know, we want to get, you know, coordinator experience and stuff. And he doesn't, he's not actually got coordinator experience. Um, he's actually position coach. He's coached just about every position on the defense. Um, but then he went right to head coach. Um, he did not serve as a defensive coordinator. Um, so that's an interesting dichotomy there. Although all of the reports for Brian Flores are um, a guy who really, a fiery, um, guy, a player's guy, people who that want to play with him. Um, yeah. It also would be an interesting 
chance for Jimmy Haslam to once again thumb his nose at the NFL um, to basically say, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hire the guy who's suing us, and I'm gonna promote him." Um, uh, you know, Gerard Mayo. I I don't know how I feel about that one because there are some reports that he is practically coordinating the defense in New England, and right. other reports that are like nobody coordinates the defense in new england who's not named bill belichick so you know it's hard to know um and you know the track record of defensive coaches coming out of new england is not very good um, as they go to other places so so real quick so basically this and this is for our buddy chris you're saying you want to hold the mayo (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Yeah, our buddy Chris, who's not on the call here today, probably just fell out of his chair and was laughing at that. At that, um, but yes, I don't. I don't think Gerard Mayo is probably the right candidate at this point for us. Um, I really like the idea of um, of Brian Flores. I I think there's an energy there that's missing from this locker room. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily hold some people say, okay, well, we're bringing in guys who have former head coaching experience so that if we need to, we can let Kevin Stefanski go halfway. Um, I don't know that that's really what's happening because I think many times these coaches don't want that. Um, When they come in, they don't want to be the interim coach. They want to get set up for success to be a full coach. So So I don't know that that kind of, um, perception or that kind of strategy would really pay off in getting the guy you want quite quite the way people might think. Um, That's funny because that is all the buzz on Twitter. Bring in Flores because he has head coaching experience, and if we have to get rid of Kevin Stefanski, he can step right in. They're saying it about him. They're not saying it about Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I, you know, that's because well. I happen to believe Brian Flores has a point and there's a reason why he's, he's suing the NFL and he got a raw deal. Um, you know, he did a good job in Miami. And as soon as he finally got a quarterback who was potentially going to be healthy, he got fired. Um, you know, so I, I do think that he did a good job down there. So I can understand people being kind of mesmerized by that a little bit. Um, I just, again, you know, Kevin Stefanski's seat is hotter. It has to be. It just, oh, yeah, you know, you know, and and any coach, any team that's having problems, the first thing that happens is a coordinator change, right? So, so he it Kevin Stefanski is the head coach and the offensive coordinator. So you weren't going to see a big change in the offensive on the offensive side of the ball unless he left the team. So this is his only shot. This is his only sacrificial lamb is the yeah but we've been saying that we've been saying that all year that he needs a full season with deshaun and to prove whether or not it can work well uh, i yeah i think i think he needs a full season of consistency and i don't know that that's i i, I don't know how that might be i actually think a, even though with the record um wasn't what we wanted i think the coaching performance in working with jacoby Brissett was damn impressive yeah i think jacoby Brissett played better than he'd played in any other team and unfortunately got shot in the foot by his defense multiple times um and so i think that you know a a very strong case can be made for the fact that stefanski put in yeoman's work at the beginning of the season to get that going and get that working now what we've all said is that the issue becomes now that he has somebody, if he hires somebody as a, a as a strong defensive coordinator, I'm just looking for someone who can truly be the voice and the face of the defense yeah. um, and can really take charge of that. Because if let's say everything we the the detractors of Kevin Stefanski say is true, let's say he's got a mind for offense, a little bit for head coaching, but he really doesn't understand being a a true head coach and he needs somebody to take care of the defense for him. Well, right now this is what you got. So you've got a quarterback that signed onto the team one, because he got a ginormous contract 
but two, because he liked his conversations with the coach and they haven't had a full year to work together. So you leveraged your farm for this marriage. Right. Um, so to not try to see it through, I, I think is just another sign of why did you bother in the first place? Yeah. And, um, and Deshaun said, you know, in his exit interviews, um, he's like, you know what, I want to have a one-on-one with coach Stefanski and, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to work it out. And this offense is going to be amazing next year. Well, and, and I hope that's true. I hope it is, but, but I do think that the seat is, is much hotter going into next season. And I don't, and, and yeah, I think if, if we suddenly are looking at the same type of beginning of the season as we had this year, then, then I would expect that Jimmy Haslam or D Haslam or whoever is going to pull the trigger is not going to wait um, and is going to pull that trigger. I, I just think honestly um, that this has been a defensive problem for the greater part of the year. Um, you know, if, if we had the defense we expected to have um, and everybody thought we were going to have, we should have been able to get more wins out of the beginning of the season. And we should have been able to help and protect the transition to Watson a little bit better. Um, and that just didn't happen. They were far too inconsistent and, and just didn't do what you thought they were going to do. I mean, there's a lot of big positives on the offense. And when we have our, our big uh, breakdown of the season, um, you know, later, later on um, this podcast season, um, we can talk about some of those things, but but I do think that this was a defensive lapse that really is the underlying theme that caused this team to go sideways. Yeah. And all the other things that we've all been complaining about and all we, all the other sour grapes we've had has been grasping at straws because this big, huge thing couldn't be fixed without making this change. Let me, let me yeah. ask you guys this real quick. Um, I'm sorry, Gary, you had, you, you can go. No, that was fine. I mean, my only point was this: is I I kind of agree with Mark, but I but I still think it it begs the underlying issue. I mean, it could have been addressed earlier, and even without removing Woods early in the season, I think we had a head coach that could have stepped in and taken more of a role in the defense and didn't. And I think that is my biggest concern: is that we still don't have a head coach that wants to be a head coach, and will that bite us next year? Will he give up? play calling in the off season. I want, I, you know, I'm wondering if that comes down from above and says, you know, Hey, you need to turn that over and, and do a more complete coaching job and, and somebody pushes them to do that or not. So I'm, I'm looking to see if that's a change that we see as well, because I do think that's the under the, the overarching issue is yeah, our defense was the number one problem we had this year, but the, the but the reason we had that problem was not just because our defensive coordinator was bad, was because our head coach just played hands off all year long with the defense. Your question you were going to have there? Uh, uh, is Mike Prefer getting handed his hat? Because we had some special teams issues too. I think he will. I think special teams coordinator is a little bit different concept here. So, you know, you don't have quite the same need to pull the trigger immediately because of the fact that, you know, the way that NFL coaching goes – um, you can't really interview a guy for a lateral move unless they're a free agent or unless you get permission to do so. Um, and so I don't know that they need to go searching for their replacement at special teams coordinator until they solve some of the major stuff first. So I think I, I still think Mike Prefer is not going to be with us next year, but I think that maybe some of the other dominoes that fall into place, because a lot of times as, as all these coaching changes happen, as, as all this rotation goes around, different names become available and different people get released. Um, you know, typically what happens is a team fires. So like, for example, we fired our defensive coordinator. We haven't let the rest of the defensive coaches go yet. Um, we probably will. Um, right. And when it all plays out, the replacement will name their own people and it'll all turn over. But they're technically under contract right now. So even the coaches who are out there who maybe have gotten fired and who have special teams coordinators they usually bring with them or, or who are going to be open, they might not be open and free agents yet. Mm. So I think I think it's just a little bit different timing. 
Um, you know, you had some high profile candidates here. Um, both Schwartz and Flores were serving as defensive assistants. They don't, they weren't associate head coaches, assistant head coaches. They weren't coordinators. So technically the job that they are interviewing for is a promotion. And so you did, you, all you did had to do was ask for permission. You didn't have to, you know, you, you didn't have to run, jump through the same hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I, I think Mike Prefer, I, I, I don't know why you would, you would hold on to him. There's really no, I, I don't think there's a defining game or a defining moment that suddenly says, okay, he was the right guy for the job. He, he looked like he wasn't ready to coach his team either. Yeah. And you know, um, it's another thing that we've talked about off and on all season. You got a kicker that you spent a fourth round pick on having such mechanic problems that Jay Feely can say, I've looked at all of his tape. He's got his plant foot wrong. Yeah. But your special teams guy can't say, Hey, let's fix this. Right. <laughs> well, and I think, I, I think those are big pieces. And I think there was a little bit uh, too much of the kid will figure it out. Um, and, and yes, I do think once you've in, you've invested that kind of capital, you do have to hope the kid figures it out and you have to work with them. But I do think there was a lot of hands off just trying to see if he just would solve it on his own. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think you run the risk of really letting a young kicker get ruined um, doing that. Um, I'm, I'm more also too, though, that I just don't know that we didn't see, we saw one explosive return um in the season yeah, but um, you don't, you're not going to have big returns anymore anyway with all the rules changes that they've made Naeem 100%. Hines doing two last weekend is absolutely off the charts crazy yeah no I I I I wholeheartedly agree but I don't think that the special teams ever really gave us with the exception of Corey Bohorquez who was Man, I get tired of punters being almost MVPs on our team, but but um, he he was a a big improvement um, in the punting game. Um, but I I just don't know that the special teams ever gave us the kind of advantages or help that we really needed. And I think that if you want to be the team that's a ball control team, you know you don't always drive the ball all the way down everybody's throat. You don't always get to run all the way down and score every time. If if you did, scores would be huge. Everybody everybody would be doing it. So, but when you get stopped in that ball control game, the other side of that coin is you got to be able to take advantage of the of the field position game. And and if you can't, then you're constantly trying to drive long 80-yard drives and it just doesn't always happen. So, um I just feel like we should have saw more um, from that group, a group that had been together long enough. Um, so I, I just think it's a timing thing, to be honest. I, I, I'd i be really I, – I, again, would be really surprised if Mike Prefer is still around. Come, just, come I, I just thought if they were going to do that, he would have been gone. I mean, and I get what you're saying about timing, but, but it does make sense if you're going to fire your defensive coordinator and you just kind of make the whole slate of who you're getting rid of all at the same time or, or close to it. And the fact he's – survived this long um i I think i i kind of changed i thought he was going to be out but the fact that they haven't let him go yet uh tells me that they're probably bringing him back but that's just uh that's just a hunch my belief is the same as your belief we probably should make a change there but i but i don't think they are gonna because we all played ball when we were in high school you know how many times did you run those hands teams drills so you could cover an onside kick. We couldn't do it. These guys are professionals and they couldn't cover an onside kick. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it just, uh, there was just an overriding feel that they just weren't prepared. They weren't prepared to make a play. Like I don't, I, you know, onside kicks coverage is like you, like you said, with, with the kickoff returns and in today's day and age, the stats for getting that done are pretty minor, but they just never seemed to be prepared to make a play. Like, like you never really felt like they were even, even a 50, 50 option. They, they just didn't, they seemed outmanned. 
And, and I just feel like they, they should have been a little bit prepared. And, and I do think the bigger piece is just that it just looked like being that hands off of Cade York when he was obviously struggling, um, was a big piece and, and not for nothing. If, if it's not his kicks and his plant foot, it's gotta be the coaching of the, of the line that's giving up block kicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they're, those are, they go hand in hand there, you know, there's both of those things needed to be coached. It wasn't. So I, I, I will be surprised if he's back. I can understand Gary, your, your trepidation that it might not have happened yet. And it may not happen. I'm also one of those people that, you know, we, you come off the last game, everybody's all fired up. Everybody's upset about things and every little commentary is big. I, you know, I saw, uh, a, a big group all fired up that we signed a Ravens running back to a futures contract this week. And, <laughs> and, 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 and why, why, oh, why didn't we sign, you know, a new defensive lineman in this? And it's a futures contract. Like, there's no free agents you can sign now. Like, right. you're not allowed. So, you know, you just got to chill out. The The help that you really want isn't available yet. And and I kind of hope that's the same thing in this coaching situation as well. Yeah. Well, guys, I think I think we've kind of, you know, taken this one as far as we can. I think, I think you know, we, we had a lot of good conversation about this one. I think we're all ready to kind of truly dig in and debrief this team. Hopefully after the playoffs and after the Super Bowl and some time is gone, we'll have, you know, I would assume by then a new defensive coordinator to talk about um, and potentially some other pieces in place. Um, We'll get together and we'll try to kind of debrief this Um, for all of you that are listening out there. um, You know, we have been uh, on the air three times a week up till now. Um, We are going to be cutting back here to finish out the season. So you you won't be hearing from the large group of us for a couple weeks here as we go through the playoffs. Um, we will continue to do our weekly picks. In fact, we will have a picks episode for you this week for the upcoming wild wild card week and that, that we're going to see. Um, but uh, we're going to kind of back off our Browns talk. We're going to take my own advice and simmer down a little bit, but we will come back right before uh, we close out our full slate of the 2022-2023 season, try to get all of our talking heads together in one place and kind of get everybody's feel for the end of this Brown season. Does that sound good to you two guys? Sounds awesome. Oh, yeah, sounds great. But yeah. listen, if you if you hear real quick, you can hear everybody crying that we're not going to get to hear us three times a week now. Oh yeah, all three of them. <laughs> all three of them. They're loud. Oh wow. No. No, actually, I, I joke about that because we're in our first first season of having a podcast and it's been fun. It's been a, a big learning curve and and uh you know, I, I'll be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at viewer viewer or listener numbers because you know we've just been having fun with it and i'm sure we'll all debrief and stuff like that but those of you who are out there listening i have gotten some different emails from people um who've been listening a lot i've had people who um sent some messages when uh we were dark there that that week and um wondering what was going on so there are some people out there listening and we appreciate you we appreciate you hanging out there and hanging with us um you know we we're going to have some plans in the off season too and talk about that as we come up. But I think we all just want to recharge. We want to watch some football, um, try to get over the end of the season so that we can uh, put our best, best ending bow on this one before we close out. So um, we'll draft Chris in. He doesn't get a vote since you two said you were going to do it. And I said, we're going to do it. Then he's just going to have to come. Absolutely. I think, I think, I think you'll be okay with that. All right. Well, um, for everybody on the Cardiology Podcast, we want to thank you for joining us. If you are going to hang out and listen to some of our picks the rest of the way, um, you can always check us out on the website at www.cardiologycle. That's cardiology with a K, C-L-E dot com. Or you can check us out on streaming services such as Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Um, we'd love to hear from you. 
um, as we go through the rest of the playoff season. Anything that you guys are observing out there, we'd love to hear about it. So please feel free to check us out. Um, but until a little bit later, we will say adios to everyone. Take it easy, everybody out there. Wait till next year. <laughs> Wait till next year. One more time. One more time.